0: If you've got your Bibles, I wanna encourage you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews. I'm gonna be at a few different places in scripture before we get there, but I'll find you in Hebrews in a few moments. As we get ready to jump into the word this morning, why don't we just take a moment here and just ask God's favor and blessing on the word. Father, thank you so much that every time we open the pages of this holy book, Lord, we have the opportunity for an encounter with you. God, this is a living word, it's active. God, it speaks directly to our hearts and lives, and Lord, we invite that Holy Spirit voice to speak to us today. If there's even just one thing that we need to hear and receive today from you, God, help us to extract it from this message, to apply it to our hearts and lives, and to respond in obedience to the word that you speak. God, we thank you for it. Anoint my lips, strengthen this voice, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen? Amen. You know, uh, 2017 is is gone tomorrow. I mean, we're just a few hours away, about 12 hours and 20 minutes, and we'll be counting down. And I don't know what kind of year it's been for you. I would imagine in a room this size with this number of people, there are some of you that are looking back on 2017, and you're saying, this has been the best year of my life. I mean, if I could just if I could just have another year like this year, man, this would be so awesome. And some of you, even when I said that, like audibly, I heard the groans. So I know not all of you agree with that statement. Some of you are saying, you're saying, man, I, I just I just didn't even I'm just so glad I'm here. I mean it's it's December thirty-first and I made it this far. A few months ago I didn't think I'd even be here. Maybe this was the, the worst year of your life and you just are hoping that 2018 is anything but a do-over of 2017. <clears throat> well, I don't, I don't know what kind of year it's been for you, but as I was thinking about this Sunday and, and just kind of leaning in prayerfully to what God wants to say to us today, my heart really began to warm around the thought of faith. I want to speak to you today under the title, None of These Things Move Me. And let me give you a little context for where that comes from in the book of acts chapter 20 the apostle paul is on his way to jerusalem he knows that's where god wants him to go but he also knows that every time somebody gives him a prophecy or a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom they always tell him don't go to jerusalem if you go to jerusalem something bad's going to happen but paul is unmoved he says I, I know that's where god wants me to go and so here in acts chapter 20 he's speaking to the leaders of the church of ephesus and he, and this is what it says <coughs> this is paul speaking acts 20 verse 22 and now compelled by the spirit i'm going to jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there i only know that in every city the holy spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. He said, however, I consider my life worth nothing. I like the way the, the New King James Version and the original King James puts that verse, 24, it says it like this. Paul said to them, but none of these things move me. In other words, I have a direction from God. I know what he wants me to do. Now, I've got plenty of reason to doubt my safety. I have plenty of reason to think that my mission may fail according to what everyone else is saying. But I've heard from God, and none of these things move me. As I was looking at that story, I remembered another one that happens just a few chapters earlier in the book of Acts. It's Acts chapter 17. Let me give you a little bit of the narrative. Paul comes into the town of Thessalonica and he begins to preach. And the Bible says in Acts 17, 1 through 4, that that many people began to believe. Many people received the message. Both Jews and Gentiles, even prominent women in the community, began to come to faith. But then it says down in verse 5 of Acts 17... It says, but other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace. They formed a mob and they started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, these men have caused trouble all over the world, and they've now come here. Again, I, I like the King James translation of that last verse. It says, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. And, and I just thought about the, the beauty of those two contrasting statements, that here are men who turn the world upside down for the sake of the gospel, and here is a man, Paul, who says none of these things move me i think it was dl moody that made this statement the men that move the world are the ones who do not let the world move them now in saying that i don't mean that we're detached and aloof and that we just stand stoically by and watch things happen and say well it doesn't it doesn't move me no that's not true i mean even jesus was moved the bible describes Jesus and his ministry oftentimes uh, prefacing his miracles and his ministry with this phrase and Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus was moved to tears. Jesus was moved to do miracles to to heal people, to proclaim the good news. there was even eventually Jesus was moved to lay his life down on the cross, to die, For the sins of the world, Jesus was moved. But it didn't matter if the crowds were shouting, Crown him as a king, or if the crowds were shouting, Crucify him. Jesus wasn't moved in his faith. That's what Paul's talking about when he says in Acts 20 to the Ephesian elders, None of these things move me. In other words, what Paul was saying, what Jesus exemplified, is that the outcome doesn't determine my outlook let me say that again my outcome doesn't determine my outlook everyone is looking somewhere everybody's looking for for some kind of answer the psychologist will tell you you need to look within while the opportunist tells you just look around the optimist tells you to look ahead pessimist says look out but it's God who says look up that's what the word of God tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 fixing our eyes on Jesus we're looking up let me read it to you look at it on the screen here it says in Hebrews 12 verse 1 therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. The the great cloud of witnesses that he's talking about in the first verse are all of those men and women of faith in the Old Testament. And and as you look at Hebrews 11, it's it's called the Faith Hall of Fame. It's the who's who of the believers in the Old Testament that are listed there. And, And Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, rather, is saying... That because we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, we ought to run our race. Because we're surrounded by these men and women who faced impossible circumstances and didn't give up, didn't give in, we should run our race. And so what Paul, uh, the writer of Hebrews, we don't know if it was Paul or who it was, but the writer says in this moment that we need to throw off everything that wants to entangle us. In other words, we need to get a posture that says, none of these things move me. None of these other things are going to slow me down or hinder me. Why? Because I'm going to run my race. And can I say to you today that the cloud of witnesses are not just the characters of the Old Testament. Right here, we've got a cloud of witnesses. Those around you that we could take time this morning to tell testimonies, no doubt, in this room of how God has shown up in your life and how God's been faithful and what he's done for you in the past. And when you prayed and when you saw God move and he's saying to us, look at verse two, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. I love that. He's the pioneer. That means he was the first one and he's the perfecter. That means he did it right. He's the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He fixed his eyes on the course he was to run. And we're to fix our eyes on Jesus. Look, I don't know what these things have been for you in 2017. But my prayer for you is that, that you can end this year saying none of these things move me. Maybe you prayed for something and it didn't work out the way you wanted it to. Maybe you were believing God and it seems like he didn't answer. It seems like he didn't come through. I don't know what the circumstance is. I don't know if you're chalking it up as a great year or a bad year. But sometimes the thing that holds us back from God's best is something that's good, not bad. So I'm not just talking about the negative things. I'm talking about all the things. The good and the bad. That you would be able to say, none of these things move me. My eyes are fixed. My gaze is set. So if we're going to talk about faith, let's go right here to Hebrews 11. And I want to read the first verse because it's, an, it's a good working definition of what faith looks like. Here's what it says, Hebrews 11, one, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That's what faith is. Confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, I wanna give you an illustration. This is very elementary, but I hope it'll help us today. I wanna show you a picture of a shape. What shape is that? That's a triangle. That was not a hard quiz. I'm glad you passed. That's a triangle. The reason that you can look at that and know that that's a triangle is because you know what that shape looks like. From where you're sitting, that's a triangle. But I would say that if you saw it from a different angle, you might say it was a different shape. You're only looking at it from one side. Can you show us the next picture? Now that's similar, but that's a pyramid. That's a different shape. And what I would appeal to you today to understand is that faith is three-dimensional. A lot of times, see, we come at faith from one side. We come at faith with one vantage point and we can misinterpret and misunderstand the faithfulness of God if we don't see faith for what it really is. I would dare say there's probably even people here in this service that you've gotten frustrated this year because it seems like God hasn't answered your prayer. You've gotten frustrated because it seems like God hasn't heard you or worse, He did hear you and He doesn't care. But I would tell you today that God always hears us when we pray. And God always answers prayer. And you say, well, that might sound good on a Sunday morning, but you don't know what I've been praying. You don't know what I've been seeing. What I would say to you is you've been looking at one dimension. And I want to tell you today there's three dimensions to prayer. The lens that you see faith through will determine your faith's ability to see you through. Many people come to the end of their faith because they don't have a fresh revelation of how God is moving. Let me tell you about these three dimensions of faith. The first one, if you're writing notes today, is triumphant faith. Triumphant faith is where 90% of the conversation about faith rests in the church. We talk about triumphant Faith, And we ought to talk about it because triumphant faith is faith that gives us the victory. How many of you like winning? To quote our 45th president, I like winning. Faith involves victory. The Bible says we can go from faith to faith. (coughs) The Bible says we have a, a victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. There's a faith that is triumphant. I, I'm gonna back it up with scripture. I'm gonna show you what I'm talking about here. Romans chapter 10, verse 10, a verse that we often quote. Here's what it says. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. That's triumphant faith. When a person puts their their faith in God when a person trusts Jesus for salvation the Bible says in second Corinthians that behold all things have become new the old is gone you're a new creation the Bible says when a person puts faith in Jesus that we are translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light is anybody glad about that I'm gonna ask this side anybody anybody with me here today Come on, the Bible says when you exercise faith in Jesus, that in the spirit realm, not something off in the distant future, right now, the Bible says you are seated with Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. That's a place of authority. That's that's a place of power. The Bible says when you exercise faith in Jesus for salvation, immediately your sins are thrown as far as the east is from the west. They're to be remembered no more. That's what I'm talking about when I say triumphant faith. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says it like this. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. I'm going to tell you, I, I don't know where you're at today in your faith, but if you'll put faith in Jesus Christ, you can have victory. You can have victory today even through our faith. Jesus uh, illustrates this in Luke chapter 7 we, we hear the story about a woman who came to Jesus Luke chapter 7 tells us that verse 37 says a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisees house so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume <coughs> Now, how many of you remember this lady's story Now, what what gets me is Luke doesn't even tell us her name. All he says about her is she was a sinful woman who lived a sinful life. He he doesn't, I mean, if I was her, I'd be upset. I mean, in Luke chapter 3, he traced the genealogy of Jesus all the way back to Adam and Eve. But here in chapter 7, he doesn't bother to even tell us this woman's name. All he says is she lived a sinful life. And yet this sinful woman met Jesus. And and what we see here is an act of faith. She brings an alabaster box. It's filled with costly perfume. It was undoubtedly the most valuable thing she owned. It may have been her dowry for a future spouse. It, It signified her most precious possession. And that, that box was like one of them old school piggy banks, you know, where if you want what's valuable on the inside, you gotta sacrifice what's on the outside. She didn't just unscrew the lid and pour some out. She broke the box. And she allowed that fragrant offering of worship to pour out on Jesus' feet and to fill the whole house. What was this? This was faith in action. This was a response to the work of forgiveness and salvation. She didn't raise her hand in a service. She didn't sign a card. She didn't take a new members class but she broke a box of spice and perfume and she anointed the feet of Jesus. And, and the Bible tells us that because this woman exercised faith, down in verse 50 of Luke 7, it says Jesus said to the woman, hear these words, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. That's triumphant faith. Jesus tells us a story about another woman in Matthew 9 that demonstrated triumphant faith, not for salvation, but for healing. The Bible says of this woman in Matthew 9 that she had suffered for 12 years with uncontrollable bleeding. For 12 years. And then she heard, after all the doctors (coughs) had said they could do nothing else for her, she heard that Jesus was coming through. And the Bible says in Matthew 9, verse 21, she said to herself. How many of you know sometimes you just gotta talk to yourself a little bit? She's kind of building her faith up. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I'll be healed. This is where this woman's faith is. She was believing for a triumphant faith, a, a moment, an encounter with Jesus, that if I can just touch him, I'll be healed. And the Bible goes on to tell us Verse 22, Jesus turned and he saw her. Take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. And at that, the woman was healed. That very moment, she was healed because she exercised faith. That's a dimension of faith. Jesus taught it like this. He said, if you have faith, even the size of a grain of a mustard seed, You can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. That's the words of Jesus. Triumphant faith teaches us how to be victorious over our biggest problems in life. You need triumphant faith. You need to see faith from this angle. You need to know that today you can believe that God can save you from your sins. No matter how long you've been in them, no matter how bad you've had a habit or how long you've been addicted to it, God can break the power of addiction over your life. If you're sick in your body, you need to know God can heal you of your sickness. If you have financial problems, God can help you. God can move in uh, finances, and reconciliation. He can give you favor on your job or in relationships. He can give you increase. What is all that? That is triumphant faith. That's a now moment that God will step in and move for your good in your life. Sad to say, but there's some people that don't even have that dimension of faith. The one that we talk about the most. They just don't believe that God is really interested in doing anything for them in their life. Triumphant faith is faith that celebrates when God acts on our behalf. Can I just tell you again, the good news, God wants to act on your behalf. I I get the feeling, you're looking at me like, where's the catch? Like you're waiting for the big however or the big, but not today. No, God wants to move on your behalf. He's communicated over and over and over again in his word. He's a God who responds to faith. And like that woman who pressed through the crowd, suffering for 12 years with an issue of blood that wouldn't stop flowing, it takes faith to reach out and touch Jesus. And if you'll reach out and touch him, he'll turn. He'll raise you up. He'll call you son. He'll call you daughter. God responds to faith that's triumphant. But triumphant faith is one side. And as powerful as it is, and as awesome as that is, if it's the only dimension of faith that you understand, then you are going to be disappointed at some point in your life. I want to tell you faith is not only triumphant, but secondly, it's transforming. Biblical faith is transforming. Now, transforming faith is faith that changes you. Now, all of us, when we pray a prayer of faith, we want God to change them. We want God to change the situation. We want God to change the diagnosis. We want God to to change the statement. We want God to change everything else. But transforming faith is faith that changes you. How many of you know that not everybody who wants uh, to have change for the problem actually wants to change as a person. Like if God could, if God could fix the situation and not mess with me, that would be great. But transforming faith requires us to change. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to pray, God, could you fix this, than it is to pray, God, could you fix me? That's the difference. Transforming faith says, God, I recognize that maybe the way you're answering this prayer is not changing the circumstances. It's changing me. I'll illustrate it with lyrics to a song that was recorded in 1995 by Scott Cropain. I think it perfectly illustrates this second side of faith. The lyrics say, All who sail the sea of faith find out before too long how quickly blue skies can grow dark and gentle winds grow strong suddenly fear is like white water pounding on the soul still we sail on knowing that our Lord is in control sometimes he calms the storm with a whispered peace be still he can settle any sea but it doesn't mean he will. Sometimes he holds us close and he lets the wind and waves go wild. Sometimes he calms the storm and other times he calms his child. See, if we don't see this second side of faith, we'll mistakenly believe that God is ignoring us, that we're praying and God's not listening or that God doesn't care or we'll think... (coughs) that God doesn't respond to our faith. Maybe it's me and he responds to other people's faith. Maybe I'm praying wrong. Maybe I'm not doing it right. We'll start to internalize and, and, and let doubt creep in. We can be so busy looking for what God is doing for us that we miss what God is trying to do in us. That's the difference in a triumphant faith and a transforming faith. There's something that God wants, not just for you, but in you. That's why the writer of Romans, Paul the Apostle, said in verse 1 and 2, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, that means in in view of redemption, in view of Jesus dying on the cross for you and forgiving you of your sins and raising from the dead and ascending back to the throne and making a way for you to get to God, in view of all that, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then he goes on to explain. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Look at the next three words with me. Be transformed. He said, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. As we offer our lives to God as a living sacrifice daily and say, God, I I surrender to you. I give you my heart and my life. The pattern here is that in that process, we're transformed. We're changed. Our minds are renewed in Christ Jesus. We start to look at things different than we did before. We see that God's not just working around us and for us, but in us and through us. It's like Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. This was the night that he was going to be arrested, betrayed by Judas, and crucified. He knows it's coming. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 22 that that Jesus goes into the garden of Gethsemane to pray. And we see see the humanity of Jesus. Now, the deity of Jesus is willing and ready to die on the cross for the sins of the world. He knows where he's going. He knows why he's going there. And he is fully committed to the will of the Father. But we get a glimpse in this chapter of the reality that Jesus was, though he was fully God, he's fully man. And in this moment, he prays a prayer in Luke 22. And he says in verse 42 father if you are willing take this cup from me i to tell you what kind of prayer that was that was a triumphant prayer that was a prayer that acknowledges the fact that god could intervene in this situation and he could save me a whole lot of pain he could save me a whole lot of suffering god you have the power and the ability to jump into the middle of this mess and and save and deliver without me having to go to the cross. Nothing wrong with praying that prayer. That's a prayer that knows how powerful God is. That's triumphant faith. But transforming faith finishes the prayer. As Jesus says, Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done can i just appeal to you today that you ought to have a nevertheless in your prayer life if everything you pray and every time you talk to god is conditional it's god if you'll do this for me then i'll i'll go there if you'll give me this then i'll i'll surrender that god if you'll open this opportunity here's what i'll do but a transformed prayer says nevertheless if you don't do what i'm asking you to if you don't come through the way that I want you to. God, if if in my flesh I'm disappointed, if in my flesh I face persecution, I face heartache, I face tribulation, I face death, Lord God, in the midst of all that, nevertheless, if you'll calm the storm, I'll shout glory from the rafters, but if you'll calm my heart, have your way. Have your way. And Jesus prayed that kind of prayer. See, it's triumphant prayer that, that David prayed in Psalm 23 when he said, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing that's a confident prayer he makes me to lie down in green pastures he leads me beside quiet waters he refreshes my soul he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake that's a man who's walking in victory and confidence in relationship with the Lord that's triumphant faith but it's transforming faith that carries the next verse of Psalm 23 when he says even though even though I walk through the darkest valley. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I'd rather just stay beside the green pastures and the still waters. How about you? I'd rather just stay there. But we have to have another dimension of our faith that says I can recognize that when I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death, your rod, your staff, they're there. They comfort me because you're with me. And my faith doesn't vanish when I can't see your hand in the dark shadows. When you're not blessing me, when you're not feeding me and and nourishing me and causing me to lie down in green pastures. When I'm going through difficult days, nevertheless, you're with me. But there's a third dimension to this faith. And it's the third dimension that allows David to write the final verse of Psalm 23 when he said the words, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Something in that moment caused him to lift his eyes beyond the here and now and the circumstantial, the good, the bad and to long for heaven. And that's a transcendent faith. A transcendent faith goes beyond this life. It, lo- it looks beyond all of this. And, and it's important that we get that dimension of our faith. Lest we buy into the, the delusion of the American dream. And thinking God's plan is for you to just have blessing and prosperity. And, and everything he has for you, you're supposed to have now. And when things don't work out, God must not be for you. God must not be working anymore. God must have forgotten about you. When in reality, the word clearly tells us to... Lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy it. There's a greater reward. There's a faith that, that transcends what we're currently experiencing. Paul the Apostle said it like this in Romans chapter 8. In the book of Romans, he, he outlines all that God has done for us. He, he, he illustrates for us so vividly how depraved and wicked the human heart is and yet how God has redeemed us and then he gets to Romans 8 and it's like the climax of the gospel and right at the end of Romans 8 verse 37 this is the nail in the coffin of his argument he says no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us in all these things let me tell you that's a big all He went through a lot maybe you've gone through a lot but that all is big enough to include all and in all these things he says we're more than conquerors through him who loved us and then look at the next verse right away he illustrates what that all includes and he says for i am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, we're more than conquerors. And and it's like the first illustration he can grab is life and death. Our victory doesn't end when our life ends, amen? He said, we're more than conquerors in life and in death. This is transcendent faith. See, triumphant faith is the kind of faith that walks into the room and and prays that God's going to raise the dead. And and sometimes He does. And praise God that He's an immediate God that does miracles, signs, and wonders. But a transcendent faith recognizes that death is not defeat. Death is a victory. That's the faith that Paul Got to. That's the dimension of faith that he understood in Philippians when he said, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's, it's gain. I mean, I want to live. I want to serve Christ all the days of my life. But I recognize my faith transcends this life. I've got hope. In fact, Paul said in another place, he said, if we have hope for this life only, we are most pitiable among men. I mean, if this is what it's all about, you should pity us because Paul had been persecuted, he'd been stoned, he'd been shipwrecked, he'd been naked and abandoned, and he'd been through all kinds of stuff. But he wasn't saying, oh, God's forgotten about me, God doesn't listen to my prayers, he doesn't meet my needs. No, he said, we're more than conquerors. What does that even mean? to be? I mean, if you win, you win. What's more than a conqueror? I think a conqueror is somebody that wins more than a conqueror is somebody that can win even when they lose and that was the apostle Paul his faith transcended the realities of the circumstances that he was facing you need to have a transcendent faith a faith that knows that death is not the end death is actually the beginning see triumphant faith is is for the moment and thank God That He responds to triumphant faith. That God gives us the victory in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That you can have a moment with God today in this service. If you'll pray and you'll call out to God. He's no respecter of persons. In other words, he doesn't have his favorites in the house. He wants to meet their need and not your need. No, God is a God that responds in the moment. And I I will encourage people, as long as I have breath, to call on God. I don't care how long they've had the diagnosis or if they're laying on their deathbed. We'll still pray for healing. Because God is a God that can raise the dead. Triumphant faith is for the moment. Don't miss the moment. But transforming faith is for life. It's the understanding that every day you're going to serve God. The, the goal is that you would become more and more like Jesus and that you would bear His image. And sometimes the things that we go through, it's not, it's not so that God can just intervene and, and step into the equation and solve it for us and be the hero. Sometimes He allows us to stay in the storm. He allows us to stay in the mess that we're in because He wants to change us, not the circumstances. He wants to move in you, in your life. So, transforming faith is for life. It's a posture that we take of understanding that God wants to prune my life. He wants to refine me. He wants to make me more like Jesus. And sometimes being molded can be difficult, but it's for our good that He's working. But transcending faith is for eternity, it's for eternity. And I want to look here in Hebrews 11 for the last few minutes at some of the people that are listed in this faith hall of fame in Hebrews 11. Because as you read their story, you see one testimony after another of people who experienced triumphant faith. God showed up and did miraculous things. I mean, these, this is the stuff that we all think about when we picture men and women of faith, we think about Abraham and Enoch and Abel and Noah and Sarah. We think about these great men and women of faith. But I want to tell you that the the legacy of faith in Hebrews 11 doesn't stop with the names that are familiar to us. There's others that are listed here. (coughs) Other men and women who had just as much faith in God But their circumstances looked completely different. So the names I want you to look at are the ones that are unfamiliar to us. It says in Hebrews 11, verse 35, after listing all of these people that trusted God and saw God do amazing things, people that saw the dead raised, People that saw God extinguish fires and save them from the sword. People whose weakness was turned to strength. On and on, testimony after testimony. Verse 35 continues the testimony saying, Women received back their dead, raised to life again. I mean, that's triumphant faith right there. If you ever saw the dead raised, you know what victory looks like. But in the very next breath, look at the next three words. It says, There were others there were others who were tortured refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment they were put to death by stoning they were sawed in two they were killed by the sword they went about in sheepskins and goatskins destitute persecuted and mistreated doesn't look like the picture of faith that we like to celebrate but look at the next verse verse 38 says the world was not worthy of them yeah they wandered around in deserts and mountains living in caves and in holes in the ground but look at the next verse these were all now that's a big all it includes every one of those men and women in Hebrews 11 they were all commended for their faith yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect can I tell you today if you're gonna have a a biblical understanding of faith it always has to include the others it always has to include those that that are nameless I mean, the heroes we think of, they're the ones that overcame incredible odds. They saw supernatural victories won on their behalf, but the others are the ones that trusted God and they still experienced persecution. They still experienced death. Faith, for one, looked completely different than faith for somebody that had a different perspective, a different angle, a different vantage point. But I wanna tell you today, faith is three-dimensional. They were all commended for their faith. The others remained nameless because they're numerous, not because they're faithless. The truth is there's a lot more of the others than there are of the extraordinary. The Bible communicates to us here in this chapter, Hebrews 11, exactly what it is, that the purpose and the plan for your life, for my life, Hebrews 11, verse six, it says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. Right there in that one sentence, there's the purpose, please God of your life and the plan, have faith. Have faith in God and please God. And if you don't have this plan, you won't fulfill this purpose. I wanna just challenge you today as we get ready to conclude this service, some of you might be in need of triumphant faith. You might be at a place in your life right now where you need God to answer. You need God to intervene. You need God to work a miracle in your life. And and I certainly hope that nothing that I've said today would discourage you from coming boldly and asking big prayers of God because that's what He invites us to. God invites us to come boldly into His throne room. And to petition Him with our prayers and requests. There's no request off limits. You can go to God in faith believing that God can work for your good. And not just that He can, but that He wants to work and that He can do it today. That's triumphant faith. Don't leave this place today without taking a moment to bring your needs to God. If you're at a crisis moment in your life, whether it's physical or relational or emotional or spiritual, know that God responds to your prayer. (coughs) But I also know there are some of us here that need to experience a transforming kind of faith. A faith that will trust God to mold us and shape us the way He desires to. Some of you, you've only seen faith from one dimension. You come to God with your list, but you haven't come to Him with your life. It's different to say, God, would you do this for me than to say, God, I surrender. Your will be done. Not my will be done. I'm not coming saying, God, if you'll do this, I'll follow. I'm saying, God, I surrender. I give you my life. And maybe some of the very things that you've been frustrated about are the very things that God from his vantage point sees as blessing in your life say so how could it be how in the world could it be blessing how could it be blessing listen if every time you prayed a prayer if God answered that prayer the way you wanted him to answer it you'd never get a bigger revelation of who God is you would come to God with your prayer in expectation of what God would do and he would do what you want him to do and your capacity to know him would not grow in the least In fact, probably the opposite would happen. You'd begin to devalue God. He would become (coughs) the one who answers to your beck and call. But what you've seen as a curse very, very well may be the blessing of God in your life because you've been praying and asking God to do something and he hasn't done it. And every time God delays our answer, it's an opportunity for a greater revelation of who he is. God's going to show up in your way, in your life in a way that you didn't expect. God's going to show up and do something you didn't anticipate because he didn't do exactly what you asked him to do if you will have faith. If you'll not throw up your hands and give up and say, well, I guess God's not listening. No, he's listening. He's working for your good. And God wants to develop in you a perspective of transforming faith. And here's what I know. God wants to give all of us a dimension of transcending faith. (coughs) God wants us to be able to pull back from the grind of life, to pull back (coughs) from all the stuff that wants to consume our heart and our lives and our energy and our time and our resources, all the stuff that we're convinced matters so much. And God wants us to have a faith that transcends all of this. A faith that understands that, that death is not a wall that we're going to run into. It's a turnstile. And then on the other side is the real reward. On the other side is the real blessing. On the other side of the, the earth is the eternal life that God intended for us. And so much of our prayer life is shallow because we've, we bought into the, the American dream instead of the kingdom of God. And we believe that if we don't get everything that we're looking for in this life, then somehow we missed out. When in reality, God is working. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. But if your faith is just two-dimensional, you'll miss, you'll miss out on the blessing that God is working right now for your good. I'll admit there are some things that God hasn't, hasn't done and I don't know why. And people ask me, why did God allow that? Why? I, I don't know the answer to all of those questions. You don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. We never will. But my faith isn't shaken because my faith transcends. I may go to the grave not having the answer, but I know the grave is not where I'm stopping. And the Bible says one day we will be in His presence and we will know Him and we will fully know we will fully see. Right now, we see through a glass darkly. There's always gonna be things you don't get and I don't get. But one day, our faith will become sight. <coughs> In just a moment, I'm gonna pray a prayer. And I'm gonna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. But when we do that, I want you to know, I want you to know that when we bow our head and close our eyes to pray, we are stepping into a dynamic opportunity, because we do believe that God is a God who responds to faith, and that God can give us the victory in Christ Jesus. I want you to know that this this isn't some formality that we just do to kind of wrap the service up. Wherever you're sitting right now, in just a moment, when you bow your head and close your eyes, if you've got a need in your life, call on God. He can meet you in this moment, because God, as we read in the text, He responds to faith. He responds to your faith. And this may be the moment that you take a step of faith towards God and everything changes. So I want to pray for you today. I want to ask you if you would just bow your head with me all over this room. Reverence God's presence with me for a few moments longer. Father, I thank you that you're moving right now. By your Holy Spirit, you're moving in this place. God, you know the needs in our lives. You know the urgency that some came today to your house with. Like that woman pressing through the crowd. They were saying, God, I just need to touch you. i got to get in your presence today. I, I don't know what the answer is, but I've got to get in your presence. I've got to touch you today, I need you to move, I need you to change this situation God you know the hearts of your people Holy Spirit would you just settle in on us right now, let faith arise, let doubt and fear be banished in Jesus name let courage to believe rise up on the inside of us I don't I don't care how long you've prayed or how long it seems like your prayer's gone unanswered. If you're here today and you say, I need God to give me victory in an area of my life. Maybe it's a battle with sin. Maybe you need Jesus to save you. Maybe it's a battle with an addiction. Maybe it's not any of those things. It could be relational or financial. But if you're here today and you say, I need Jesus to intervene in my situation. I need triumphant faith moment I need Jesus to break through and do what I can't do if that's you would you take a step of faith right now and just raise your hand saying that's me God that's me today that's me thank you thank you several hands have already gone up just as a a moment of saying God I you know my heart now see my hand I need you to move God I I need you to do something I want to pray for you right right where you're seated. Make an altar. (laughs) Father, today, Lord, your people are before you. We bow before you, God. We we submit ourselves, our lives to you, God. We look at the situation that we're facing and it seems impossible, but God, we know with you all things are possible. So God, we're asking you right now to move in power, supernaturally. God, begin to move in our situation. Lord, for those that that need deliverance today, God, set them free. For those that feel bound in their flesh, in their hearts, God, set them free today, in this moment. Lord, for those that need physical healing, God, we just, we come to you the Savior, the deliverer, the healer, the Lord. God, we're asking you to bring healing right now in Jesus' name. <coughs> God, in every area of our lives, we believe that you can step in and our confidence, the full weight of our faith is on you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. I want to ask you to stand with me all over this room i know as i've prepared this message that there are some people in this church that you've struggled you struggled with your faith because you've not been looking at it from the right angle and you felt like god hasn't answered you god hasn't heard you or god hasn't cared but today god is speaking to you that it's not the storm he's trying to calm. It's not the circumstances he's trying to change. It's your life. It's your heart. There's things in you that need to change. And God's using those situations. He's using those circumstances. If you'll let him to mold you and to make you, you need to pray a nevertheless prayer today. Nothing wrong with asking God to to intervene. Nothing wrong with asking God to move. But you need to pray a nevertheless prayer today and say, God, I surrender. I'm gonna pray that prayer in my own words, and I want you to pray it in yours. If God's speaking to your heart today, Father, today, I lay down my will. I lay down my agenda. God, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna just shake my fist and demand my way, God. I want, and you know my desires, and you know my hopes, and you know my ambitions, but God, I lay every one of them down at your feet. I submit them and surrender them to your Lordship. And God, I pray today, even if you have to break me, come quickly. I'm ready for you to move in my life. God, not my will, but yours be done. You're my Lord, and I trust you through the miraculous, and I trust you when I can't see you moving. I know that you're working for my good. So God, I submit my will and my desires to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. As we get ready to close this service, if you're here and you say, you know, I I want somebody to pray with me today. The Bible says this, the Bible says, if anyone is sick among you, call for the elders of the church, have them lay hands on you, anoint you with oil, and the prayer of the righteous availeth much. We believe in the power of prayer in this church. And if you'd like someone to pray with you today, I want you to know this altar is open and the invitation stands. I'm gonna pray a closing prayer to close out this year. And while I pray that prayer, if you'd like to come in agreement with someone at this altar, I would encourage you to just come to the front. We'll let the worship music continue to play. Come and we'll meet you here and we'll pray with you. And we'll believe for God to do something in a moment in your life. Father, today, right now, we just, we, (coughs) Lord, we lay this entire year, 2017, at your feet. Lord, take what was good, what was great, and Lord, take what was difficult and trying and use it for your glory in our lives. God, give us a greater dimension of faith as we move into 2018. Give us confidence to know that you are working for our good so long as we are submitted and yielded completely to your Lordship, Lord, we put our lives back on the altar today as a living sacrifice. And we move into this new year with confidence, knowing that if God is for us, who can be against us? So Lord, we give you praise. And it's in the name of our Lord Jesus we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. Amen.